0: Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. Now, with this week being the go-home shows for each of these shows' respective programs, because they have a pay-per-view tonight, since this is Saturday, um, AEW will be having their... um, Double and nothing pay-per-view tomorrow, while WWE will be having their Night of Champions uh, pay-per-view tonight, and also tomorrow on Sunday, they'll be having their NXT uh, Battlegrounds pay-per-view. But now, with that all being said, let me just get on with the show. Raw will open up with Cody Rose backstage walking around, and he's attacked by Brock Lesnar. Brock will throw Cody around backstage. Brock will throw Cody into a sliding uh, steel door. And as Cody was getting himself up, you will see Cody place his hand on the sliding steel door, and Brock will pick up a steel keg and smash Cody's arm with that keg. Now, Cody is yelling in agony. He's in pain. And right now, their match at Night of Champions will be in jeopardy, but this won't be the last time you'll see Brock and Cody go at it because they would do it again later in the night, but I'll get to that in a minute. As soon as we get done uh, seeing Cody... Yelling in agony will go immediately to Paul Heyman, who's in the middle of the ring, and he would announce that he had nothing to do with Brock Lesnar attacking Cody, but he would attest to knowing the type of savage beast that Brock is. So that's why Paul would just make it again clear that he had nothing to do with Cody being the type of Brock. Paul would then talk about Night of Champions and mention how. This is to be the last Raw that you will see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as tag team champions because they will lose the tag team titles to Solo and Roman. Then out walks Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to the ring and Paul will leave the ring. Sami will say that despite the beatdown that happened to them on SmackDown, they feel good. And Sami will say that he has nothing left to say because he said all he had to say to Roman this past uh, Friday night on SmackDown. Kevin Owens will say that since Roman is dedicating their tag team match to the Walsam Owens at Night of Champions, Kevin Owens would follow suit, and he would say that he is dedicating their tag team victory to the Usos. So you can tell with this, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are playing mind games. More or less, Kevin Owens is playing mind games with uh, Roman and Solo because the Usos, they feel some type of way that they're not in the tag team match up here. You can tell that the Usos are starting to get more and more uh, frustrated, more Jimmy, more than anybody getting upset with Roman Reigns' uh, attitude and the way that he's treating them. So, again, this is probably going to cause some discourse between Roman and the Usos going forward. Um, as he says this, Kevin Owens and Sammy will say that they are done talking about the blow line because tonight they have to deal with Imperium, and then now it walks Imperium. They will surround the ring, and it looks like they're about to attack Kevin Owens and Sammy, But Matt Riddle wouldn't run down to the ring to make the save for Kevin Owens and Sammy Imperium would back down from the ring apron and then walk up the ramp. Now, Gunther would see Riddle talking to Kevin Owens and Sammy, and he would see this as a perfect opportunity to send Imperium back down to the ring to try to ambush them. Riddle, Kevin Owens, and Sammy would fight Imperium and send them out of the ring into the back, and we would have a match be made for the main event. Imperium going against Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Matt Riddle. Now, after this, we would have Ricochet going against Bronson Reed. This is the first match of the night. Bronson would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Tsunami for the win. This was a solid match to start off Monday Night Raw. After this, we would have Candice LeRae with Nikki Cross in her corner going against Zoe Starks. Zoe would win the match by pinfall thanks to Nikki inadvertently interfering in the matchup when Candice LeRae would hit Zoe with a springboard crossbody on the outside of the ring. Candice would throw Zoe into the ring. And when Candice does this, Candice was about to enter the ring, but Nikki would run over and hug Candice, basically trying to tell Candice that she's doing a good job in the matchup here. This would allow Zoe to roll out of the ring, run over, and push both of the ladies into the steel steps. Zoe would then throw Candice into the ring and hit her with a Z360 for the win. So Zoe starts to still on her rise up on the main roster here, this is showing everybody that she'll do anything that it takes to win. She'll capitalize on any opportunity. So this, what is showing with Zoe Stark here? Again, people that might not didn't watch NXT, they're giving uh, Zoe some wins so people can actually start paying attention to her. That's kind of how this stuff happens. So I like what they're doing with Zoe. Zoe is a actual great wrestler. I just hope that after they start paying Zoe some attention on the main roster, the fans that. Somebody on the main roster on the creative side will at least put Zoe in a more meaningful role. But again, she just started on the main roster, so we'll probably gotta wait a couple more months until she starts getting something more meaningful. But again, Zoe getting a win here, not a bad thing. Now after this, we have Mustafa Ali backstage talking about his upcoming Intercontinental Championship matchup at Night of Champions. Mustafa will say that this is a serious moment for him because he hasn't reached his potential yet in WWE because Mustafa will talk about all the failures that he has uh, taken during his time here. Then you will see Brock just straight up just brush by him and will proceed to walk to the ring. But before Brock will leave Ali, Brock would tell Ali to get a life. So Brock just completely annihilated Ali. I don't understand why they did that to Mustafa Ali, because remember he's the guy that's going against Gunther. You want to make that thing, uh, this match some importance. I understand in the eyesets or the minds of the fans, uh, Mustafa Ali is already gonna lose to Gunther. We already have that predestined in our heads, but at least you could give Ali the opportunity to at least try to sell people on the dream of him beating Brock Lesnar, not just completely just like shut Ali down off top. I didn't understand why they did that. It doesn't make sense. You'll want to hype up, prop up someone. You did that with Selena Vega with Rhea Ripley when Selena was going against Rhea at Puerto Rico at Backlash, but you just crapped all over Ali here as he's going over to face Gunther at Saudi Arabia for the Intercontinental uh, Championship. It just doesn't make sense to me, but I'm not in charge. Anywho, all of my nerd stuff... Uh. Brock, after annihilating uh, Ali, he would go to the ring and let everyone know that Cody would not be fighting him at Night of Champions. But he would say, have no fear. Brock will lay out an open challenge to anybody in the locker room. The only thing they have to do is go to the ring and look at Brock face to face. So with that challenge being thrown out, Cody Rhodes would appear with his arm in a sling with ice in the sling. And he looks at Brock. Officials will try to talk to Cody, but Cody will move past them and walk to the ring. Now, once Cody gets in the ring, he takes his arm out of the sling and Brock would charge to Cody right into the corner. Brock would then lock in the kimura lock. And now you have Cody yelling in agony. Brock's holding on to it. You can just tell that Brock's squeezing as much as he can out of this kimura lock. And once Brock will let go of the maneuver, he would stomp on Cody's arm. And then Brock will leave the ring. Now, the commentators would say, Cody has a broken arm here. It looks like it, but we don't get an official word of Cody having a broken arm. Again, this isn't the last time we're going to hear from Cody. Because later in the night, you will see officials try to get word out of Cody's locker room to see if he's going to be able to participate or not. Cody would kick everybody out of his locker room and say that he's good. He doesn't want to speak to no one. But he would eventually speak to someone at the end of the show. But I'll get to that whenever the end of the show comes about. Um, After this, we have the Alpha Academy with Maxine Dupree going against the Viking Raiders who had Valhalla in their corner. Alpha Academy would win the match by pinfall when Eric would try to put Chad Gable on Ivar's shoulders for a powerbomb from the second turnbuckle. But Chad would kick Ivar off the turnbuckle and Ivar would fall outside of the ring. Chad would then get Eric in an Okada roll for the win. I'm not going to lie. Maxine Dupree with the Alpha Academy. I got no beef with it. Again, she came with the uh, Maximum Male Models to begin her journey on the main roster. But now it seems like she's like abandoned the Maximum Male Models deal to just be with Otis. And now she's fully embraced the whole being around Chad Gable. She even started doing a thank you with the two fingers up in the air. So you can see they're trying to really incorporate Maxine with Chad and Otis. So I like what we're at least getting here with these three right now. Only time will tell if they're going to continue to do that or not, but right now, I like Maxine with uh, Alpha Academy here. Now, after this, we have Shinsuke Nakamura going against Finn Balor with Damien Priest in his corner. Finn would win the match by pinfall when Nak was looking to hit Finn with the Kinshasa, but Priest would pull Finn out of the ring. Nak would attack Priest outside of the ring around the uh, ringside area, and then he would clothesline Priest over the barricade. Now, by Nakamura doing this, this will allow Finn Balor to hit Nakamura in the back with a running dropkick. Then you see Finn Balor throw Nakamura into the ring, and Finn will finish him off with a coup de for the win. Now, with Finn getting this win here, you can already start to see that they're going to try to push Finn into a main event style picture here. At least that's where I think they will be going with this, because you would think with Nakamura getting the type of love that he's gotten and... Finn just having this match with Knock and the way that they put so much stake into this match between Knock and Finn. You would just think that the winner of this gets another step closer to at least being a number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. And I feel that's where they're going with this, but time will tell with that. But I just feel that Finn's on his ways, uh to getting a World Heavyweight Championship match. Now, next matchup was Raquel Rodriguez going against Sonya Deville with Chelsea Green in her corner. Raquel would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Tejano bomb for the win. After the match, Chelsea would get in the ring and attack Raquel. Sonya Deville would join in on the beatdown until Shotzi would run down to the ring to make the save. Shotzi and Raquel would knock Sonya Deville and Chelsea out of the ring. Shotzi would then hit a suicide dive on both of the ladies out of the ring. And it seems that we have Raquel Rodriguez's partner. Well, her newfound partner here. I think Shotzi is going to be joining Raquel because Raquel has to... uh, Go after her women's tag team championships next week on Raw because she had to relinquish them. So I think it's going to be Raquel and Shotzi going against Rhonda, Shayna, uh, Chelsea, Sonia, and Bailey and EO next week on Monday Night Raw for the women's tag team championships here. Now, after this, we have the contract signing between Trish and Becky Lynch. Solid uh, segment between Trish and Becky Lynch. Trish will say this is her first time having a contract signing here. And again, the whole thank you, Trish deal. She's better than Becky, blah 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 situation here. Becky will tell Trish that you're trying to take the spotlight. You have this feeling where you have this idea that you are better than what you actually are. So they're in this situation where Becky is trying to put Trish in her proper place and not say that you're actually better than me right now. So that's where they're at with Trish and uh Becky. Becky will finish off by saying that. You're now in the big times, call it a B-word, and make reference to Trish barking like a dog. This was in the year 2001, I believe, or 2002. But either way, she made reference to that. Trish would flip the table over on Becky and then leave the ring. The contract will get signed, so that match is made official at Night of Champions. Uh, after this, we have Dominic Mysterio going against Apollo Crews. Dominic would have Rhea in his corner. Dominic would win the match by pinfall. Thanks to Rhea, when Dominic was outside of the ring, Apollo would try to get at Dominic, but Apollo would be stopped by Rhea. However, Apollo would hit a spin move on Rhea to get to Dominic, but when he does this, Dominic would send Apollo into the steel steps. Now Dom would get in the ring. The referee would look at Dom, and the ref would miss, seeing Rhea throw Apollo into the ring post. Now, Dominic would be in the ring, standing there as the referee is making the count, counting out uh, Apollo, Apollo would break the count at nine, but when he does this, Dominic would immediately hit Apollo with a frog splash. And I gotta admit, this frog splash it cleared some length in the ring, and it was Eddie Guerrero-esque. This is the first time I've actually seen Dominic hit a frog splash in the exact same comparison style of Eddie Guerrero. If you think I'm lying, go to WWE's uh, YouTube. You can see it somewhere uh apollo going against dominic and you can see dominic's frog splash here and you could just side by side compare it to eddie and you can say yep he's at least taking some uh notes on how eddie actually does perform his frog splash here and he at least incorporated into this frog splash but again off my nerd stuff dominic would win the match by hitting the frog splash on apollo's back and then cover him for the win here so dominic again getting a win because of rhea ripley now, after this, we go to our main event, the six-man tag, Imperium, going against Kevin Owens, Sammy and Matt Riddle. KO, Sammy and Riddle would win the match by pinfall. When Sammy would hit Giovanni Vinci with a haluva kick, then Kevin Owens would tag himself in, hit a swanton bomb on Vinci, they cover him for the win. Solid match here. You had Riddle taking care of Gunther by throwing him over the commentary table. That's why he couldn't uh, stop the count here. And also, Ludwig, he was thrown outside of the ring because he tried to run over to Sammy, but Sammy threw him out before he hit uh, Vinci with a Huluva kick, so that's why Ludwig couldn't uh, break the pin here. But again, a solid six-man main event. You knew that KO, Sammy, and Riddle was going to win because, again, this is the build-up to that of Champions where Kevin Owens and Sammy has to defend their tag team titles, so that's that. Now, here's the final segment to end Monday Night Raw. We'll go backstage. Cody's in his locker room. He doesn't want to hear from no one, and Triple H walks through. Triple H would tap Cody on the shoulder. He would try to talk some sense to Cody, say, Hey, listen, I've been in your shoes before. I know what you're trying to do here. I can see your arm is broken, and you know that it's broken. Cody would try to shut Triple H down, saying, Listen, you know what I'm doing. I'm not going to let this thing go. I'm going to fight Brock and Knight of Champions. He would try to play the wrestler card on Triple H since Triple H was a former wrestler and Triple H knows how the injuries go. He tells Triple H, "What would you do? What will have you done? You know the rule: if you have two good legs, you can go out there to the ring." So Cody would say, "Listen, I even wrestled with a torn pec." Triple H would still try to toss him sense, "Yeah, you wrestled with a torn pec, but you were out for a year after that. Don't you remember that?" And Cody again was telling him, "Yes, I remember, but..." I'm not going to let this thing go. I'm going to fight Brock at Night of Champions, and that's final. So, Cody's determined. Triple H would sit there as Cody's packing his bags, and Triple H would just smile, and he would just tap Cody on the shoulder, and he would leave out. So, the match is still on. Cody versus Brock is still a go at Night of Champions, and that's how Raw will end. Now, that was your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we move over to NXT. NXT will start off with the semifinals of the NXT Women's Championship Tournament. It will be Lyra Valkyria going against Cora Jade. Lyra would win the match by pinfall by hitting a roundhouse heel kick for the win. After the match, as Lyra was looking at the championship, Cora would run behind Lyra and chop block her. Cora would then grab her kendo stick and hit Lyra in the knee. And now Lyra has a bum knee as she goes into Battlegrounds. Competing for the NXT Women's Championship. Now, after this, we have Axiom going against Dabakato. Dabakato would win the match by pinfall by hitting a Baldo Bomb, which is a sit-out double-hand choke slam. After the match, Dabakato would attack Axiom until Reggie would come out of nowhere and make the save, attacking Dabakato. Reggie would knock Kato out of the ring, and before Kato can get back in the ring, multiple referees will come down to the ring to take him to the back. Now, why Reggie's out here? Because Reggie is trying to make amends to Axiom as he was the guy under the script's mask, and he's just trying to make amends for uh, terrorizing Axiom a couple weeks ago. So now he's doing this. He's trying to help Axiom to his feet, but Axiom will knock Reggie's hand away, and Axiom's not having none of Reggie's uh, excuses or any of that. So I can see next week probably Reggie We'll have a match with Dabakato and Axiom will probably make the save on uh, Reggie's behalf to probably pay the debt right here, so we'll probably have to wait and see what happens next week, but that's where I think that we're probably going with this. Um, after this, we have the NXT Tag Team Champions, Gallus with Joe Coffey, uh, coming to the ring, and they'll start making jokes about how Tony D'Angelo is detained at the moment, because earlier in the show, you would see Tony D'Angelo being questioned by officers in their police station, and... Tony D'Angelo comes to find out that he has a rat in his group. So right now, there's probably some speculations of uh, Stax more than likely being a rat here because there's only Tony D'Angelo and Stax. So that's where I think we're headed with this. Ultimately, in the end, they would say that they're arresting uh, Tony D'Angelo, but I just see we're probably just holding uh, Tony off for a minute until they want to bring him back on NXT TV. But again, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But getting to the ring again with Gallus, since Tony D'Angelo isn't able to come out to the ring with stacks to challenge Gallus for the NXT Tag Team titles at Battlegrounds, they will then focus their attentions onto the Creed's because the Creed's last week, they say they want a shot at the Tag Team titles. Now the Creed's will come to the ring. The Creed's would again challenge Gallus to a match at Battleground, and now you will see both groups uh, get into a fight and Gallus has the number of it's three on two until Stax would run down to the ring and help the Kree brothers take out Gallus. Now, later in the night, we will see a backstage uh, segment of Kree brothers talking with Ivy Nile, and then you'll see Stax walking behind them. He will say that, listen, you guys are still going to be at a disadvantage at Battlegrounds because Joe Coffey's going to be with Gallus, and why not I be with you guys, but only for an arrangement because Stax still wants a tag team title shot with him and Tony going against the Creeds. The Creeds would tell Stacks, listen, we appreciate you, but we have a hard time trusting people, so no thank you, but you and Tony will get the first shot at the tag team titles when we win them. So, we have that to look forward to. Now, after this, we have Tyler Bate going against Eddie Thorpe. Wesley will be our commentary for this matchup here. Tyler Bate would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Tyler Driver 98 for the win. After the match, Joe Gacy would attack Tyler from behind and Wesley would get in the ring. Wes would try to hit Joe Gacy, but Joe would move out of the way, and Wes would deck Tyler Bate in the face. Now, Wes is trying to apologize to Tyler for punching him, but both men doesn't notice that Joe Gacy will be bouncing off the ropes and hit both men with upside, which is a rebound, handspring, uh, clothesline. So he clotheslined both Tyler Bate and Wesley here. In the end, Joe Gacy would hold up the NXT North American Championship, as this is to further hype up their triple threat match at Battleground. Now, when we come back from commercial, we would see what happened during commercial break. You would see Wesley trying to help up Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate will push Wesley off of him, and now this causes some friction between Wes and Tyler Bate. Wes already has a problem with Tyler because he feels that Tyler just used him to get a shot at the North America Championship instead of being up front. So, again, we're at this point where both guys who are both friends are now at least enemies at the moment, and again, still the hype of the triple threat match at Battlegrounds. Now, next match up was Noam Dar going against Nathan Frazier. Nathan would win the match by pinfall, thanks to Dragon Lee. When Noam Dar would hit a spinning elbow on Nathan and pin him, Nathan would kick out. Dragon Lee would come down to the ring, go over to the Heritage Cup, and act like the cup is talking to him. Noam Dar would see this, he would leave the ring and walk over to Dragon Lee and push Dragon into the barricade. Now, Dragon will look like he's about to punch Noam Dar, but Noam Dar would just walk away. But Noam Dar would see Nathan Frazier and Nathan would hit him with a suicide dive. Nathan would then grab Noam Dar, throw him into the ring, and then finish him off with a Phoenix Splash for the win. Now, this was good mind games from Dragon Lee because Dragon Lee is going to be facing off against Noam Dar at Battleground for the Heritage Cup. So, this was just one way for Dragon Lee to get in the mindset of Noam Dar and get him off his game as i said before as they're going into their match at battleground now after this we have hank walker going against tank ledger hank would win the match by pinfall when both hank and tank would collide in the middle of the ring with running crossbodies. but hank would be the one to make the cover and win the match solid hoss fight between both of these guys they're a tag team but they feel that they need to fight each other so they can at least uh feel a way that they can bond together more and probably become a better tag team, so that's the reason why this match happened, and in the end, Hank would still win. Out of the match, Hank would get uh, Tank to his feet, or at least try to, but Braun Breaker would get in the ring and spear Hank Walker. Tank would try to take a swing at Braun, but Braun would duck it, run the ropes, and hit Tank with a spear. Now, both men are down. Braun will look into the camera and tell Mello that he will see him at Battleground. And Braun Breaker, he is sporting a low boy haircut, more low than he does before, and now he's starting to grow uh, sideburns on his face. And it seems like in WWE, at least for uh, white dudes, you got to become a bad guy when you start sporting facial hair. For some reason, that's the thing. Austin Theory, he sported facial hair, becoming a more vicious bad guy. Now, Braun Breaker, he's starting to become a more vicious bad guy. You start seeing him sporting uh, facial hair. So, it seems in WWE, if you're going to become a bad guy, you got to start sporting uh, facial hair, at least for white dudes. I'm not certain for black dudes, but I know for the white dudes, yeah, they started sporting facial hair. So, that's one thing with that. Also, Braun Breaker's spear. When you heard him collide off of both Tank and Hank, you know that those spears meant business. So Braun has at least a nasty spear. I mean, those things are forceful. So that's another thing to uh, notice here. Now, after this, we have Gigi Dolan coming down to the ring here. Gigi Dolan will talk about how hard her childhood was and that she didn't trust anyone until she got to NXT when she met J.C. Jane and let her in only to let J.C. tear it all down. J.C. will come out, but she will be in the crowd position where the Toxic Lounge would be. Then you will see J.C. and G.G. start trading shots at each other only for them to announce that next week on NXT they will have a weaponized steel cage match. So that means the steel cage will have weapons all around it. So expect that match to probably be at least somewhere bloody again, because if they allow J.C. to bleed last time, I expect both ladies to bleed this time. And they, again, I have no problem with both uh, women bleeding or women bleeding in general and wrestling is just a real rarity when you see it. So, hopefully, we get it uh, next week with this weaponized steel cage match. Now, after this, we have Von Wagner with Mr. Stone going against Luca uh, Crucifino. Crucifino would win the match by disqualification. When Crucifino would knock Von Wagner out of the ring, and Luca would go over to Mr. Stone and grab him so he can grab the photo that Von Wagner uh, was as a child in Mr. Stone's pocket. Vaughn will see this and clothesline Luca and throw him into the ring. Vaughn will proceed to maul Luca as he's holding the ropes. Vaughn will not listen to the ref as he starts making the count. And once he makes the count to five, Vaughn doesn't let go, so that will make the ref call for the bell. After the match, Vaughn will kick Luca out of the ring and look to powerbomb him on the commentator's table. Mr. Stone will tell Vaughn not to do it because he would get in trouble. Vaughn will listen and let go of Luca and then walk a couple steps away. But turn around and powerbomb Luca on the commentary table. So we have that right there. Again, Mr. Stone is trying to get Vaughn to talk about the photo of him as a kid with a scar on his head. Vaughn is constantly telling Stone that he's not going to talk about it. So we're constantly on that route here. One day, probably next week or two weeks from now, Vaughn's going to mention what happened and all of it will make sense. But for right now, he's still not talking about it. Now off to the main event. Semifinals in the NXT Women's Championship Tournament, Tiffany Stratton going against Roxanne Perez. Tiffany would win the match by pinfall when Roxanne would look to hit pop rocks, but Tiffany would counter it and throw Roxanne throat first onto the top rope. Tiffany would then grab Roxanne, hit the steamroller, then finish her off with the prettiest moonsault to win the match. So Tiffany will face Lyra Valkyria for the NXT Women's Championship at Battlegrounds. After the match, you have the face-off between Lyra and Tiffany in front of the NXT Women's Championship. Roxanne Perez will be uh, on the entrance stage watching those ladies. And a mysterious figure who is still covered up would attack Roxanne from behind, proceed to beat on her a little bit. Lyra will run over. Then you see the mysterious figure just run away. And you see referees come out to help Roxanne to her feet. You will see Roxanne, the refs, and Lyra will go to the back, then DiJack, He will make his way down to the ring because DiJack and Ilya Dragunov were supposed to have a contract signing for their match at Battlegrounds, a last man standing. So Dijak comes walking out. Ilya will come behind him and rush him and bum rush him in the back and just hit him. Now we have a brawl in our hands between Ilya and DiJack, and it will end with basically Dragunov standing on the steel steps, looking at Dijak, who's on the ground, and then he will stand up, and now you just have a face-off between Ilya and Dijak. I like this brawl to end NXT off, because this is basically going to be everybody's Dark Horse match. You have the NXT Championship match, you have the tag team titles, you have the North American Championship, you have uh, the Women's Championship. I just feel that this match right here between Dragunov and uh, Dijak here will be everybody's sleeper and that they're going to really outperform and do what they have to do at Battlegrounds. But that's how NXT will end. So that's your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now move over to AEW Dynamite. First thing to note, this will be a big week for AEW. Since they have decided they are releasing their AEW video game, they gave it a release date. It's going to be on June the 29th, 2023. It's called AEW Fight Forever. They have been developing this game for the past uh, three years. I say two more anything because pandemic you all worked inside your home so i'm not sure how long they really focus on their game in the pandemic era 2020 but i'll give it more two years of the fact that they were working on it but either way it's going to be released june 29th 2023 for ps4 ps5 xbox consoles um nintendo switch and your um pc players if you play on computer there you have it there and on aew dynamite tony con would announce the aew collision their debut show on Saturday, June the 17th, will happen in Chicago. So that puts all the worrying to rest for all the people that were wondering, is it going to happen in Chicago? Yes, there were reports that it was going to happen. I was waiting for the official word from the man himself, Tony Khan. So now we have that, and it's already been speculated that CM Punk will be showing up at that event. He'll be returning back to the company since the whole brawl out at All Out uh, situation and again, hopefully that will happen. I'm hoping so. A lot of people are hoping so because it would be great to see CM Punk back in AEW. He hasn't been here since what? Nine months? So it'll be great to see him back, but we'll have to wait and see on June 17th. Now, first match that will happen is the AEW International Championship matchup. Challenger Kyle Fletcher going against the champion Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy would win the match by pinfall by countering a Tombstone pile driver and pinning Kyle by twisting his legs up. So, Orange Cassidy retains his championship here um, after the match further down the line. On Twitter, Tony Khan would announce that Aussie Open, which consists of Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis, have now signed with AEW. So that's a good thing. This tag team division in AEW is stacked. Adding Ozzy Open to that uh, division is not a bad thing. It's only going to make their tag division more stacked. And I'm happy for them since, by the way, I forgot to mention this. Um, New Japan. They had their pay-per-view this Saturday, and on that pay-per-view, Kyle Fletcher had to come out, and he had to relinquish the tag team titles that him and his partner, Mark Davis, were holding since Mark Davis is injured, and they can't uh, defend those tag titles, so they had to release, well, relinquish both the tag team titles for uh, the New Japan, their home promotion over there in Japan, and also the California home base promotion, New Japan Strong, their tag team titles so, that happened for them. But now on the upswing, they're now with AEW. That's a good thing. Kyle Fletcher, he had a good match here with Orange Cassidy. And it's only upwards and onwards for Aussie Open, to be honest with you. Because I can see them probably popping back to New Japan since AEW has a good relationship with New Japan. We can see that happening. And also, during Kyle Fletcher's entrance, he was still holding up the uh, United Kingdom crowns in the air. And he still had the United Kingdom well, the United Empire, my bad, Will Ospreay's uh, group banner in his Tron. So it still tells me that he's still a part of that group. So again, we could probably see more of Will Ospreay coming over to AEW now since Ozzy Open's over here. So that just opens up the door more and more. So again, good job on Tony Khan good job on uh, AEW for acquiring Ozzy Open. Now, after this, we have the AEW Tag Team Champions, FTR coming down to the ring here. They would talk about Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal being smart, in every way, how they've outnumbered FTR these past weeks. However, at Double or Nothing, they will lose to FTR. Dax will say that when they are done with Jeff and Jay, they will want to call up DC Carter to get some job security and probably go back to Impact Wrestling. So again, they're just throwing jabs at Jeff and Jay because they were in Impact for all that time. So that's what we have here. Mark Briscoe will come down to the ring and get in the face of Dax uh, Mark is still upset at Dax pile driving him last week. Cash would try to play Peacemaker. He would tell Mark, listen, don't let Jeff and Jay get in your head. You know what they're trying to do here. Mark would not listen to that. Dax would apologize to Mark, and he would try to extend his hand out for Mark to shake it. Mark would uh, throw his hands to the side. Dax, again, would try to apologize to Mark. Mark still will not listen to it. Dax would tell Mark, listen, you We're boys here, but you're not going to disrespect me on live television. So you will see Mark just slap the taste out of Dax's mouth. Now, Dax wants to try to get at Mark. Again, Cash will play Peacemaker between the two, and Mark will just leave the ring. Now you see Jeff Jarrett and company coming down to the ring here. Mark Briscoe will push by uh, Karen Jarrett. He would just straight up push her, push Sandra Dutt, uh, slap Jeff Jarrett across the face. Then he walks up to Jay Lethal, and he tells Jay point blank, "Listen." I don't care about all these jokers. You're my boy, but I'm getting tired of this bull and he would just leave. So this adds more interest into the insight of whose side Mark Briscoe is really going to be leaning towards at double or nothing. Since Mark Briscoe is the special guest, like referee for this match between FTR, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal for the tag titles at double or nothing. So again, we have to wait and see for that, but it does add some intrigue since Mark is pissed off at both sides. So, We'll have to wait and see what he does. Is he going to call it down the middle, or is he going to stick with one side? Now, after this, we have the AEW Trios Championship matchup here. House of Black defending their championships against AR Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik, in open house match rules. And the special condition for this match that AR Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik chose for this was that there would be no tags necessary for this matchup, meaning that if one person from their team were to fall outside of the ring. The other person outside of the ring could easily just get in the ring, so no tags needed to happen in this matchup here. House of Black would win the match by submission when all three members of House of Black will lock in submissions on Fox, Christian, and Metalik. You will see Brody King lock in a uh, sleeping neckbreaker on Blake Christian the same way that he did Darby Allen months ago. You will see Buddy Murphy lock in an inverted. Uh, Texas Cloverleaf on A.R. Fox, the one that his girlfriend Rhea Ripley uses on WWE. And I don't remember the move that uh, Malachi Black did on Metalik. I probably want to say he probably used like a leg lock or even a, uh ankle lock on Metalik. But in the end, Murphy would get the win for his team when A.R. Fox would tap out to the inverted Texas Cloverleaf. I like the open house match rules because it gives a different feeling for uh This matchup for the House of Black again, House of Black is uh, Malachi Black's creation. But he does take, um, I would feel he takes some creative, uh, not liberties, but creative suggestions from his members in the House of Black to make them more different than anybody in the company. And again, House of Black they do that. So with them having their own specialty matchup here, I like it. And now they added also like some. Lighting designs for the crowd is not just dim. Now that you got some type of lighting designs in the audience crowd, when you look at the match, it's just a different aesthetically feel, and I like it. So again, it just makes House of Light more, be more separated uh, to everybody in the entire roster. Now after this, we have the AEW World Champion, MGF, come down to the ring and talk about his upcoming title defense at Double or Nothing. He will at first trash talk Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Jungle Boy. Then in a shocking fashion, he will say that when you think of homegrown, these four are the definition of homegrown. They have grown up in front of everyone, and unlike certain people in the back, they didn't have the cheat code of being on TV first before they got to AEW. They are AEW. They are the heart and soul of AEW. However, MGF would say that he is starting to get bored, and he doesn't want to be here anymore. He isn't getting the respect that he wants. And Tony Khan knows that his contract is coming up, so that's the reason why he stacked the deck against him. But at double or nothing, MGF will retain the championship and prove nobody in the back is on his level. Now, this will send out Darby Allen to come out to the ring. Darby would talk to MGF, and Darby would talk about how he would listen to people when he graduated out of high school, and that listening to people got him working at a gas station cleaning toilets, and that when Darby didn't listen to anyone. He left Seattle and traveled to Atlanta and lived in his car on his way to try to pursue the dream of becoming a professional wrestler. And AEW saved his sanity and that he's never leaving AEW. He's never leaving this place because AEW allows him to do things that other companies wouldn't like uh, skateboarding with Tony Hawk, doing things with Travis Pastrata, doing other things. And also like next year, traveling uh, Mount Everest. So, you have this with Darby Allen. Darby Allen is showing and telling why he's never leaving AEW, proving that he's an AEW lifer, unlike MJF, who just wants to go to the next place with a big checkbook. So, we have Darby Allen basically stating why AEW is important to him and why he needs to take the AEW World Championship off of MJF at double or nothing. MJF would hear this, he would kick Darby in the nuts, and he will look to hit Darby with the Dynamite Diamond Ring but Sammy Guevara would run down to the ring. MJF would leave the ring, run up the entrance ramp, stand on it, and hold up the AEW World Championship. Jungle Boy would appear behind MJF, clothesline him. This will lay MJF out. Jungle Boy would grab the World Championship and then hold it up. So this gives people an idea of what may happen at Double or Nothing with Jungle Boy probably being the one Leaving with the World Championship, I don't think that's going to happen, but you'll get to my predictions at the end of the show. Now, after this, we have Taya Valkyrie going against Lady Frost. Taya would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Road to Valhalla, or better known as Jaded, for the win here. Jay Cargill would be watching from the stage. And again, this further along their rivalry here, as they have a match at double or nothing for the TBS Championship. Both ladies use the exact same finisher, but different names. So expect that to happen at double or nothing. I expect both women to probably hit their finish. But again, I expect Jay Cargill to win that one. So I'm just giving you that one easy one. And I think everybody expects that to happen personally. Now, after this, we have the contract signing between Adam Cole and Chris Jericho. Adam would have Roderick Strong in his corner and Chris Jericho would have the JAS in his. Adam will tell Chris that he wants to hurt him for what he did to Britt. But he has to wait until double or nothing because he has plans on breaking Chris's face, his legs, and his hands. Chris would try to get Adam to hit him by showing footage of Britt Baker getting hit with a cane by the outcast weeks ago. Adam would come close to attacking Chris, but Roger would have to stop him. Chris would sign the contract and let Adam know that he is dumb because their match, it's unsanctioned. And the Jericho Appreciation Society can get involved in his five against two. Basically, Adam and Roderick's outnumbered. Adam will tell Chris that he's right. But he made a phone call to someone that lives in Las Vegas, and they'll be at ringside, and it's Sabu. Now, for the people that do not know who Sabu is, Sabu is a ECW original. He's a legend in the sport of professional wrestling. And more than likely, you'll probably know him because he did a whole lot of hardcore uh, things back in his time at ECW. He was a real, real wild guy. He did some high-flying moves in ECW, but it usually consists of like standing on a chair and getting on the ropes and jumping off, smashing through tables, willingly or unwillingly. I mean, Sabu just did a lot of things in ECW that a lot of your pro wrestlers now probably should not be doing, to be honest with you. But he was cheered for it, and ECW was a place that allowed you just to run wild. So that was Sabu's home ground. So Sabu being here, he's old, but he still knows what he's doing. And it's just, it's refreshing to see Sabu here. That's cool. But eh, I wonder what he's going to do. I don't nothing to be truly honest with you. I mean, Sabu will come down to the ring here. Jericho Appreciation society. They will look shocked. Uh, Matt Menard would try to get at Sabu, but Sabu would throw a chair at Matt's face. And you will see the rest of Jericho Appreciation Society members grab Matt Menard and just go up the ramp and retreat. So they're trying to put some shock in this. I don't know what Sabu is really going to do at Double or Nothing, to be truly honest with you. I expect Adam Cole and Chris Jericho to do what they have to do. But Sabu, I mean, I get it, but I just don't know how much of uh, how much he technically can do. But again, we'll have to wait and see for that. It would have been great if they would have had Homicide, to be truly honest with you, but... I guess homicide is like restricted, not restricted, but like designated only for Eddie Kingston. But that's just my personal uh, head thinking about things. Anywho, we'll get to our next matchup here. It's Roger Strong going against Daniel Garcia with Jericho Appreciation Society barred from ringside. Roger Strong would win the match by pinfall by hitting End of Heartache. Now we'll go off to the main event for the ROH Tag Team Championships. It is the Lucha Brothers, the champions, defending their championships against challengers. The Ring of Honor World Champion Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Utah. Brian Danielson will be on commentary for this match. Lucha Brothers would win the match by pinfall thanks to help from the Young Bucks. When Alex Abrahantes would stand on the ring apron and distract the referee, Claudio Castagnoli would try to get in the ring, but he couldn't because something was grabbing his feet. It was the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks were underneath the ring, and Claudio would have to watch as Wheeler Utah got hit with the fear factor from the Lucha Brothers, which is a package uh double footstone combination. And the Lucha Brothers will cover Will to retain their Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. Now, after the match, the Young Bucks would superkick Claudio, then leave through the crowd. John Moxley and Brian Danson would come down to the ring. John Moxley would tell the Young Bucks that they can run and hide all they want; they can take fan- pictures with the fans, but at Double or Nothing, they will experience violence from the Blackpool Combat Club, and he will give a warning advisory to the people that are squeamish. About blood, they better buckle up because they're in for a lot of it at double or nothing in their anarchy in the arena matchup. And that's how AEW would end. And with that, that's your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, moving over to Impact Wrestling, we will open up with Mike Bailey going against Chris Sabin. Chris Sabin would win the match by pinfall by using the Muscle Buster, then the Cradle Shock for the win. Solid match between Mike Bailey and Chris Saban. After the match, they got a standing ovation from the audience and even the commentators. That tells you how great of a match these two have. Again, Mike Bailey in Impact Wrestling, he is literally the MVP since Josh Alexander is out. Every time that Mike Bailey is in the ring, you know you're going to see a good match from him and whoever he's in the ring with. Just having the caliber of opponent that Chris Saban is, a veteran in Impact and a veteran in In the X Division, you knew this was going to be a good match. This was a great match to start off Impact. And it was good to see Chris Sabin using the Muscle Buster. Muscle Buster is synonymous with Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, who was in Impact at a time when Impact was still building itself up. And Joe was one of the guys to help also build up the X Division whenever Impact was getting on television. So you see Chris Sabin use the Muscle Buster. It was a great homage to pay to a friend of his that's in AEW right now but just to see that it just lets you know how far back the exhibition uh really has been in Impact Wrestling if you paid along well paid along or pay any attention to Impact Wrestling for some time now but again getting off my nerd stuff it was a great match to open up Impact now after this we have a tag team match up here Sheldon Gene and Kenny King going against Decay's Crazy Steve and Black Tar Nick Aldous will be on commentary for this match up here. Nick Aldous has a little beef with Kenny King, so he's out here just to watch Kenny King. Uh, Kenny King and Sheldon Jean would win the match by pinfall when Crazy Steve will be on King's shoulder and bite him in his head, but Kenny King would turn that into the Royal Flush for the win. After the match, Kenny King will get a mic and tell Nick that he couldn't wait to put his foot in Nick's butt at Under Siege. Nick would get a mic and tell King that he will give both Sheldon and Kenny King a two-for-one bitch slap so Nick Aldis has thrown out the gauntlet for uh, Kenny and Sheldon so you see Nick Aldis take off his suit jacket and he's about to get in the ring But before he does this Sheldon would get out of the ring he would try to attack Nick Nick would punch Sheldon and then throw him into the ring post to eliminate Sheldon you'll see Kenny King try to bait Nick Aldis to get in the ring and when Nick does Kenny would leave out of the ring, and again, this is just to add fuel into the match at Under Siege. After this, we have Taylor Wilde with Kylie King in her corner, going against Jessica. Taylor would win the match by pinfall in quick fashion by hitting the Witch's Wrath, which is a spinning fisherman uh, suplex for the win. After the match, Taylor and Kylie King would attack Jessica. Then footage would play of an hourglass emptying to the bottom of, Backstage, and you see a figure walk past it, and that figure will be Courtney Rush. Courtney Rush is the real life persona of Rosemary underneath all that makeup. So, Courtney would run down to the ring and attack both Taylor and Kylie King, sending Kylie King out of the ring and then locking in Taylor in the sharpshooter. Kylie, seeing this, would grab Taylor, drag her out of the ring, and then it would treat to the back. So, we have that. At hand right now, the reason why Courtney Rush is out here instead of Rosemary is because Rosemary, she went into the underworld and now she's come back as Courtney Rush. So the dark persona of uh, Rosemary is in the underworld. So now we're stuck with Courtney Rush right now. I would like to see how far we're going to get with this Courtney Rush uh, character or persona in Impact instead of Rosemary. I would like to see the subtle differences of in-ring ability. From Courtney Rush to Rosemary, so I would like to see how long they actually have Courtney here before they bring back Rosemary to impact. Now the next matchup was Angels with the design Khan and Dina going against Rich Swan who had Sammy Callahan in his corner. Rich Swan would win the match by pinfall by hitting a four-fifty splash from the second turnbuckle for the win. After the match, Dina would attack Rich Swan from behind. Khan would get in the ring and join in on the attack. Sammy Callahan would get his bat, get in the ring, and attack both. Angels and Khan with said bat. Now you have Sammy and Diener looking at each other. Sammy was prepared to hit Diener with the bat, but Khan and Angels will grab Sammy. You will see Angels grab Sammy by his legs, and you will see Khan grab uh, Sammy by his arms and hold him just to make sure that he couldn't attack Diener. Diener will grab the bat away from Sammy. He would attack Rich with it and say, this is all Sammy's fault. Sammy will have to watch. Dina would then hit Sammy in the gut and then lay the final blow with a headshot to Sammy. And you see now both Rich and Sammy laid out as the design is standing above both men. Again, this is still building up to their match at Under Siege where you will see the design take on Rich Juan and Sammy Callahan with a mystery partner. Now the next matchup was Alicia Edwards going against Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace would win the match by pinfall in quick fashion by hitting the Grace driver for the win. Jordan Grace was just getting her reps in because she's going against Deanna Purrazzo at Under Siege for the Impact Knockout Championship. And this is Jordan Grace's last opportunity at said Impact Knockout Championship as long as Deanna Parazo has it if she does not beat Deanna for it. Now, after this, we have John Schuyler with Jason Hodge and Brian Myers in his corner going against Chris Bay with Ace Austin in his corner. Chris Bay would win a match by pinfall, and he would do this by learning from Ace Austin's mistake last week when Ace would get hit by Brian Myers when uh, Ace was sent into the middle ropes, and Brian would hit Ace last week. This would be the same tactic that happened this week with Chris Bay, but Chris Bay would dropkick Brian Myers when he would run into him, and this will allow Chris to hit the Art of Finesse, which is a springboard cutter on Jason, well, not Jason, John Schuyler for the win here. So Chris Bay... Learned from Ace Austin's mistake, and that's how he was able to get the win here. Now, after this, we get to the main event segment here. Steve Macklin will come to the ring. Steve Macklin's out here to say that he's not facing PCO at Under Siege because of taking him out last week with Champagne Singh and Sheera. But have no fear. Macklin will say that he will still be defending the World Championship, and it will be against Champagne Singh. Now, Champagne Singh and Shira will come down to the ring, and now you have Champagne and... Macklin playing off this whole nonsense. You see Champagne trying to give his speech of reading aloud a list of people that helped get him here to this position. But Scott DeMore will come out here and kill this nonsense. He will let both men know this match at Under Siege is not happening. Steve Macklin will get in Scott DeMore's face. He will start saying that you are trying to play favoritism again. Who's going to replace PCO, one of your favorite boys again? You're going to stack the deck against me. Scott DeMore will tell Maglin. listen, I want the best wrestler to represent Impact Wrestling. Maglin will say, I am the best wrestler since I'm holding the Impact World Championship. Scott DeMore will tell him, you might be right, but you need to come out here and actually defend that thing with actually some integrity. And let me break this down to you. If you happen to do that at under siege and you win your match, I will come down to this ring, shake your hand like a man. And we could bury the hatchet. Magdalene would say that's not going to happen. He would tell Scott DeMore point blank that I am your boss. As long as I have the Impact World Championship, I am your boss. The Impact World Championship has the power. And since I am Impact World Champion, I am the power. And he would tell Scott DeMore point blank that when I win my match at Under Siege, you will come down to this ring and you will put the title around my waist. And Scott Demore, he looks like he's getting upset, he takes his glasses off, and he just tells Macklin, if that's what you want, fine, you'll do that. You win, I'll come down here and I'll strap the title around your waist. Now, Macklin, he has a big smile on his face and he tells Scott, that's good, you're finally starting to come around, but you haven't told me who I'm facing at Under Siege. Now, Macklin still thinks he's not facing PCO, but that's not the case. Scott Demore will tell him, the plan doesn't change. You're still facing PCO. Macklin, again, with a smile on his face, he would ask Scott, how are you certain that PCO will even make it to Under Siege? And Scott would say, well, you know what? You're right. I don't know. But I do know he made it here tonight. The lights will go off. Once they pop back on, PCO's in the ring. PCO would attack Shira, Champagne Singh, and Steve Macklin. He would take care of Shira by clotheslining him out of the ring. He would do a little... Uh, punchies with Macklin. Macklin would roll out of the ring. He would hit Champagne Singh with a Baldo bomb, and you would see Macklin try to come back in the ring and grab his Impact Championship, but you would see PCO put his foot on the championship. Macklin, he would slide out of the ring because he doesn't want to fight PCO, and you would see PCO at the end of Impact just holding up the Impact World Championship because this could be the site at the end of Under Siege with PCO retaining, well, not retaining winning the impact world championship from steve macklin but you'll have to wait and see now with that that's your impact wrestling wrestling highlights of the week now moving over to smackdown we will start off with a united states championship matchup here austin theory going against sheamus with the brawling brutes in his corner austin theory would win the match by pinfall thanks to pretty deadly interfering when the brutes would take the chair away from theory And Sheamus would hit the 10 beats of the Barons on Theory and look to hit him with the bro kick. But then you would see Pretty Deadly run in from the crowd and attack the Brutes. Now, Sheamus would see this. You would see Elton Prince get on the ring apron. Sheamus would knock him off the ring apron. You would see Kit Wilson get on the ring apron. Sheamus would grab Kit and hit him with the 10 beats of the Barons. But as he's doing this, Theory would capitalize and roll Sheamus up in a roll-up to win the matchup here. So Theory is still your United States champion. Solid match from Theory, and Sheamus here to open up SmackDown. Um, after this, you have Raquel Rodriguez and Shotzi going against Bailey and Io Sky. Raquel and Shotzi would win the match by pinfall when Bailey had Raquel by the legs, trying to get Raquel in a sunset flip, and Raquel wouldn't go down. Io would go to the top turnbuckle and look to hit Raquel with the dropkick, but Raquel would sit on Bailey, and that's how Raquel would pin Bailey to win the matchup here. Now, after the matchup, you will see Raquel and Shotzi in the middle of the ring celebrating their win here. And you will see Eo trying to talk to Bailey outside of the ring as this was some miscommunication on both of their parts. And you can kind of tell there's going to be more miscommunications as they have a tag matchup on Raw for the Fatal 4-Way for the Vacant Women's Tag Team Championships. It's going to be Raquel and Shotzi going against Ronda, Shayna, going against... Um, Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville and Bailey and Eo, you can just tell Bailey and Eo they're gonna get into more communicate miscommunication on Raw, and that's probably gonna cost them the women tag team championships was gonna lead them into splitting. Since Dakota Kai is out with a torn, I believe, ACL. So it's gonna lead us to a Bailey versus EO type of thing during the summer. I feel that way because right now EO and Bailey are both stagnant. They need something to do, and damage control is already on breakup terms before Dakota got injured. But with Dakota now being injured more, I get to see this completely splitting. Bailey and Eo doing their thing, feuding with each other. But then after that's done, we can see Eo go off into the stratosphere as a great uh women's wrestler just by herself. And Bailey, she's just gonna continually just be the annoyance pest on the women's division. But that's just where I think this thing is going to go. But we'll have to wait and see on Monday Night Raw. After this, we have Ashanti D'Adonis with Hit Row in his corner going against Cameron Grimes. Cameron would win the match by pinfall, hitting the cave-in on Ashanti D'Adonis. After the match, Cameron was on the entrance stage celebrating. Baron Corbin would come from behind Cameron and clothesline him. So Cameron Grimes and Baron Corbin's uh, situation that they're having is not ending no time soon. Since Baron Corbin is a free agent, he can show up on any roster or any show that he wants to, and right now he's just having a beef with Cameron Grimes. I can expect him to basically show up, probably on NXT, either he's done with Cameron Grimes here, because I don't see him showing up on Raw for anybody at the moment. But at the moment, Cameron Grimes is his business. Cameron Grimes is going to be the guy that's going to uh, use Corbin to show off what he can do in the ring, and that's just going to be Corbin's role for right now until somebody gets him a better role. He's going to be the guy that... Helps out talent that's going to be popping up from NXT to go to the main roster. And I can just see him going to NXT to help them out, too. But, again, we'll have to wait and see as time will go on with that. After this, we have Bianca Belair coming down to the ring. And Bianca will talk about her upcoming match with Asuka at Night of Champions. Bianca will say that she is dealing with a different Asuka than she did at WrestleMania. Bianca would say that she plans on giving Asuka a fight at Night of Champions and retain her championship. Asuka's music would hit, and Bianca would look at the entrance stage, but Asuka would come from underneath the ring. Asuka would lock in an R-bar on Bianca and would not let go. Backstage officials would come to the ring and try to separate the two. When both ladies would get to their feet, Asuka would run to Bianca, and Bianca would get Asuka up for the KOD, but the officials would have Asuka land on her feet, and Asuka would leave the ring so they can continuously hype up their match at Night of Champions. Now, I want to give you guys a little bit behind-the-curtain pull-up here. Last week, I was at the SmackDown taping. Last week, they taped last week's episode and also this week's episode of SmackDown. And when it came down to the Bianca Belair segment here, before Bianca came out, after um, Hit Row had their match, well, Graves had his match, you will see the lights go dark in the arena they show something on the screen on the um, titantron you would see just like a group of guys coming down to the ring you saw producers like really checking the ropes and everything but you see a big group of guys down there i thought they were going to change the like the mat because from time to time during the taping you see them like change the mat and i think that's so they can not have the mat so sweaty or whatever i don't know the reason but they would do that from time to time during out the tapings. And when this time came about, I thought, okay, they're going to change the mat again because I thought that was the case. But no, I didn't see nothing happen. This must have been the time where Asuka must have been in that huddle of guys so they could just sneak her like around the ring so she can get underneath the ring for this segment here. Because for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how did Asuka get underneath that ring and then I had the playback on mine. Oh, so that's the trick of the trade. So they had a big group of guys, like, huddling around Oscar, so Asuka could get to the ring. I did not know that until I had to think back. But that's the reason how Asuka was getting, well, got to underneath the ring here. So now I at least know that part here. And also, after this match, we have Ellie and I going against Rick Boos. The Street Profits will be our commentary for this. LA Knight would win the match by pinfall by hitting the BFT on Rick Boost to win the match. After the match, Knight would get a mic and talk to the profits. He would tell them that their time is coming because this is his game. And basically, he's going to try to gun down and mow down the street profits here. And it's going to start next week because LA Knight would be going against Montez Ford in a Money in the Bank qualifying matchup here, as well as uh, Lacey Evans would be going against Selena Vega in a one-on-one matchup for a qualified match for Night of Champions. L.A. Knight was heavily, and I mean this with all sincerely, he was heavily cheered at the taping. I mean, besides Roman Reigns, and I mean this, L.A. Knight was probably the number two guy that got the most cheers. And I considered cheers like cheering for him and also just constantly screaming out his catchphrase, yeah. I mean, people would constantly scream scream it out, just shout it out from time to time. When LA Knight popped out, his music got the biggest pop besides Roman. I mean, LA Knight is that guy. I don't know what they plan on. I hope that he wins the money in the bank, to be honest with you, because right now I don't see nobody else touching him on the quality of getting as much cheers for being a mid-card type of guy that could be elevated to a main event guy. LA Knight is that guy. And also during the show, I heard how they try to pipe in like booze for LA Knight, that did not happen. So I'm letting you know, they're piping in booze for him. I'm just giving you guys some free tips here, WWE, let it go. Do not try to pipe in booze for LA Knight, let the cheers run. LA Knight is LA Knight, he's that guy, people want him to be that guy. So allow LA Knight to be that guy, just allow the cheers to play out. Now, after this, we have AJ Styles going against Carrying Cross. Scarlett will be with Carrying Cross here. AJ will win the match by pinfall by hitting the phenomenal forearm. AJ Styles and Karrion Cross—they had a good match. If you saw it live, you would attest to it. But again, for this reason, this match came about is because AJ Styles—he has to get some rep in as he's going against Seth Rollins at Night of Champions. So they had to give AJ one more win before he faces Seth at Night of Champions for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Now we're off to our main segment here, Kevin Owens Show. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are the hosts, and their guests were supposed to be Roman Reigns and Solo, but before I get to that, here's the thing that did not play out in front of the crowd, but it played out behind the scenes that the fans did not see at the arena, but you had to see when you were watching it at home, basically this episode of SmackDown here. Earlier in the night, Roman Reigns would sit in the back with the Usos, Solo, and Paul Heyman. Roman would have Paul tell the Usos that next week, Roman Reigns is going to have a big celebration for his 1,000-day reign as champion. And he wanted the Usos to be there. He wanted the whole family to be there. And Jimmy, you could tell he's kind of agitated. He would get up and say that he's about to leave out and go. But Roman would tell Jimmy to sit down. Jimmy would be defiant, and he would stand up. Roman would tell him, again, to sit down. And again, Jimmy will be defiant, still standing up. So Roman will get up, get close in the face of Jimmy, and tell him, You want to do something? Do it. Do it. You remember how it was when we were kids? I beat you then, and I'll beat you now. So we have this confrontation with Roman and Jimmy here. Jay has to step in, and he has to tell Jimmy, Hey, it's all right. And you will see Jay take Jimmy out of the locker room here. And this kind of plays into the Kevin Owens show here. Because Kevin Owens will call out Roman and Solo. But Roman and Solo don't come out. Paul Heyman comes out. Paul Heyman tells Kevin Owens and Sammy that, hey, you guys do not dictate when the Tribal Chief comes out. He comes out on his own time. And then you will see the Usos come out here. Usos will come out. Jay and Jimmy will talk to Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens will say, you know what? I really wanted you two to come out here. I wasn't expecting Roman and Solo to come out here. I wasn't expecting them. I was expecting you two. And he tells both Jimmy and Jay that what Sammy has been telling them for the past few months is true. That they are the definition of the table. They are the legs of the table. They are the table. Roman Reigns is just using the Usos as his lackeys. And Jimmy, he would take offense to that. Open up your ears when I tell you, stand away right in front of you, it's the best damn tag team in the world. So when it comes to Jimmy and Jay, the Usos, when it comes to the day ones, hey, Us, I am the tribal chief. Now, with Jimmy proclaiming that he is the tribal chief, Paul Heyman would look at Jimmy and say, why would you say that? And Roman's music would hit. Now, Roman would walk to the ring and he's pissed and you can see it right in his face. He would get up in Jimmy's face and Jay's face. He would knock the microphone out of Jay's hand. He would look at Jimmy and then he would go over to Sammy. Sammy would tell Roman, you know, it's over, right? And it's all because of you. All of this is your fault. Roman would quickly like swipe the mic out of Sammy's hands and you just see Roman just staring at Sammy. And now you see Kevin Owens getting frustrated. He goes over to Roman and just hits him and hits him with a stunner. Now a brawl begins. The Usos starts attacking uh, Kevin Owens and Sammy. Kevin Owens and Sammy beat up on the Usos. And now you see Solzakula run down to the ring. He will end up hitting the Samoa Spike on both Sammy and Kevin Owens. Roman would see both of them down. Roman would yell out Solo to hold him up. Solo would hold up Sammy. Roman would throw some of the materials of the Kevin Owens show out of the ring. And he would hit Sammy with a spear. Now both Kevin Owens and Sammy, they're laid out. And now you see Jey Uso pick up one pair of the Undisputed Tag Team titles. And he would hand it over to Solo. Jimmy would pick up the other pair. And Jimmy... Was supposed to hand it to Roman because Roman would have his hand out. Jimmy would just hold on to the tag titles. Now Roman is just constantly looking at Jimmy with his hand out, and he would thrust his hand out again for Jimmy to hand it to him. Jimmy still wouldn't do it, and now you just could feel the tense in the arena of what's gonna happen. Jay, again being the peacekeeper that he is, he would run over to Jimmy, say. Bro, what are you doing? Let me see the titles. Let me see them. And Jimmy still wouldn't want to hand them over to Jay as Jay's holding on to the tag titles now. And now Jay would have to forcefully grip him out of Jimmy's hands. And when he tries to give them over to Roman Reigns, he gives them up, but he doesn't give it up in a way so lightly. Because when he hands it over to Roman, Jay still has his hands on the tag team championships. Just for a brief second, and then he will let go of the tag team titles at like completely all together. Now, you see Roman having one set of tag belts. Solo having one set of tag belts. Solo would hand Roman his tag team titles. And now Roman has all four of the tag team titles. And Roman would just lift up the tag team titles in the air as Solo, Jay, and Paul... Or having their ones up in the air. And Jimmy, he's not wanting to be a part of this. Jimmy would just stand in the corner and just look in disgust. So you can kind of see where this is going to head. I don't think they're going to be at Night of Champions. But I'm going to get into my predictions and where we're going to lead off into with that. But SmackDown will end with Roman Reigns holding up all four championships. So that was your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we move over into AEW Rampage, Rampage will open up with a trios match of the Acclaimed and Billy Gunn going against Rouge, Drillistico, and Preston Vance. The Acclaimed and Billy Gunn will win the match by pinfall when the Acclaimed will hit their tag finish, the arrival, and the mic drop on Drillistico and cover him for the win. After the match, the Acclaimed will let their intentions be known that they are going after the trios championships, and they might be answering House of Black's open challenge at Double or nothing for the Trios Championships. Now, after this, we have another Trios matchup here. The Guns and Ethan Page going against three random guys. Ethan and the Guns would win the match by pinfall. By Ethan throwing one of the guys into the Guns, and they will hit three tens to Yuma, which is a elevated version of a flatliner. After the match, Ethan would get a mic and say that he hoped that the Hardys were watching because this is what they will be dealing with at Double or Nothing. The Hardys will come out, and Matt will tell Ethan that at double or nothing, his butt and his contract will belong to him. And since Isaiah is injured, he doesn't care if they have to wrestle them three on two. Isaiah will come out and tell the Hardies that he has found a replacement, and his replacement is Hook. Hook will come out, Hook will be teaming with the Hardys, Hardys and Hook would come down to the ring, and this would make the guns, and Ethan basically leave the ring and retreat up to the back. So, we have our match set up for double or nothing here. After this, we have a tag match up here of Marina Shafir and Nyla Rose going against Britt Baker and Sheeta. Britt and Sheeta will win the match by referee stoppage when Britt will lock in the lockjaw on Marina Shafir, and Sheeta will hit Marina with a katana, which is a rolling kick to the face. Then Marina will be knocked out as Britt has a lockjaw in on full effect. The referee would see this, and he would call for the bell. After the match... As Britt and Sheeta are celebrating in the ring, you will see video of backstage of the Outcast standing above Jamie Hader, who's on the ground holding her shoulder. You will then see Britt and Sheeta run to the back because this could put Jamie Hader's uh, AEW Women's Championship matchup in jeopardy as she has to face Tony Storm at double or nothing. Now, after this, we get to our main event tag matchup here Big Bill and Lee Moriarty going against the best friends. Big Bill and Lee Moriarty would win the match by pinfall. Big Bill would hit Chuck Taylor with a choke slam to win the matchup. After the match, you would see Big Bill and Lee Moriarty leave the ring, and they'll go right after the Lucha Brothers, because the Lucha Brothers, uh, Commander, Butcher and Blade, the Varsity Athletes, and other AEW wrestlers were basically around the barricade, Because they were watching this match because they are entering the uh, All-Atlantic, well not All-Atlantic anymore, AEW International Championship uh, Battle Royale at Double or Nothing. So everybody just wanted to watch this match and now we get into a big brawl after the matchup here. And to end the show of Rampage, you will have Orange Cassidy in the middle of the ring with the All-Atlantic Championship in his hand. You will see Swerve Strickland on the entrance stage, looking at Orange Cassidy. Keith Lee starts walking up to Swerve. Swerve starts walking to the back. A brawl is still going around, around the ring. So this tells you how chaotic that AEW Blackjack uh, Battle Royale for the All-Atlantic Championship is going to be at double or nothing. So with that, that is your AEW Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now it's time for me to give you guys my predictions for Knight of Champions, NXT Battlegrounds, and AEW Double or Nothing. First, to start off with Knight of Champions, we got Becky Lynch going against Trish Stratus. I want to give this to Trish because Becky, she'll be able to rebuild herself and all that type of stuff. Trish, she's a legend. I think that we're going to give Trish that legend uh, win here. And we're going to continue on the rivalry of Becky and Trish. Not just had let them to this one-and-done match at Night of Champions, which would have been the situation if Becky would win. So, I think they're going to try to extend this out to SummerSlam. So, again, I think Becky losing the trash here is going to be the right move. After this, we have Rhea Ripley going against Natalya for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Rhea Ripley's going to win this. I don't think this is no question about it. I just hope that they have a nice competitive match at Night of Champions here. Bianca Belair going against Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. I think Bianca is still going to win this. Again, we have not built Asuka as the monster destroyer that she should be treated as from her NXT days going up to the main roster. That monster, Asuka, we have not gotten that back in such a long time. And I think somebody on the creative staff need to go back and watch Asuka matches from NXT in her earlier uh, time on the main roster to see what type of what type of creative process they can go back to to help Asuka to rebuild up as that monster again because Asuka, she's only been back on, what, the main roster for, what, a month now? And she's already not really having matches like that. Like, her only match that she had was going against Selena Vega. Other than that, she was, like, spinning misted at or towards Bianca. So, again, they need to build Asuka up as a monster, and I hope that's what they do with... Or losing to Bianca personally. Uh, Gunther versus Mustafa Ali for the Intercontinental kind of Championship. Gunther's going to win. But I hope Mustafa Ali gets a real competitive match. In front of his people at Night of Champion. That's all I'm hoping for. And hoping after this. We continue to see Mustafa Ali get more opportunities. Because this guy has really. Really been putting in that work for a long period of time. But he just hasn't gotten like the treatment that he's needed. And when it seems that like he's on a roll. They just kind of pull the rug from underneath him, so hopefully Mustafa Ali, he gets that uh, nice, solid push, but I don't see him beating Gunther, to be honest with you. The Undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn going against Roman and Solo. I think Kevin Owens and Sami are retaining the tag titles. I don't think they want to put him on Roman and Solo, because then you'll have another, another piece of business that you have to deal with. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see Roman and Solo hold the tag team titles, to be truly honest, but... I just don't see them doing it, but who's going to eat the pin, Roman or Solo? You know what? I want to see Roman eat the pin. I want to see so either Kevin Owens or Sammy. It'll be real poetic if it's Sammy to pin Roman in front of his people at uh, Night of Champions. I would love to see that, so I'm going to toss my hat there. Sami Zayn pinning Roman Reigns to retain the WWE Tag Team Championships, and then this could add fuel into Roman going into his 1,000-day uh, rain, his 1,000-day celebration. Also mad down here just being in a real pissed-off mood, and there's nothing that's going to cheer him up, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. Oh, the 1,000-day rain celebration. Cody versus Brock. Cody's coming in with an arm in a sling. I think Brock's going to win this one, and I think he's going to maul Cody. Period. Simple. Seth Rollins going against his AJ Styles for the World Heavyweight Championship. Solid match back and forth. I think Seth Rollins is going to win, and I think he's going to win it by nefarious means. Seth Rollins is not a good guy. Seth Rollins is a guy that the crowd appreciates, but that does not mean that he is a good guy. Yes, we sing along to his song. Yes, he has gone against a guy like Logan Paul, somebody that we hate. But before Logan Paul, who did Seth Rollins go against? Austin Theory, a guy that we hated as well. But before that, who did he go against? Cody Rhodes. And from Cody Rhodes to now, Seth Rollins hasn't changed. Oh yes, and even even then, Seth Rollins went against Riddle. I forgot to mention him. He went against Riddle in the summer. And again, Seth Rollins, he hasn't changed nothing. His character has not changed. He is still a villain. So for me, I think that Seth Rollins is going to do a villain tactic that's going to shock people, but it shouldn't really shock you because Seth Rollins is still Seth friggin' Rollins. He's still a villain at the end of the day. So I think he's going to do some villainous to beat AJ to win the World Heavyweight Championship. And then we're just going to see a villain, Seth Rollins, that people are still going to sing his songs, to be honest with you. But with that, that's my predictions for United Champions. Now move over to NXT Battleground. Tag team matchup of Gallus going against the Kree brothers for the NXT tag team titles. I think the Gallus boys are still going to retain their tag team titles here. And I think they're setting it up for whenever... Uh Tony D'Angelo to come out. Him stacks will be going against Gallus. And I think we'll see the ultimate swerve of Tony like turning on Stacks at that time. But I could be wrong. But for this match right now, Gallus is beating the Creeds. Last minute standing match, Dragonoff going against uh Dijak. I think this is going to be the Dark Horse matchup of the whole entire weekend. I think this might blow a lot of matches out of the water, to be honest with you. Um, I think with this thing being the situation, I think, you know what? I'm going with Dragonoff. Dragonoff just came over from the UK. He has a whole lot of potential on him. Even though Diagek win this match, it would help him out a whole lot. I just think they still might go with Dragonoff. to be completely honest with you. So I'm going with Dragonoff. but I'm not going to be mad if they give it to Diagek. Because both of these guys need a win. And both of these guys, if they put on a hell of a showing in the matchup with the last man standing, I think... Fans will be happy either way who wins the match. I'll be completely honest with you. Triple threat, Wesley going against Tyler Bate, going against Joe Gacy for the NXT North American Championship. I think Wesley's going to win this because if he does, I think he'll be the longest reigning NXT North American champion. And I think that's where, with the way that WWE has been going with people breaking records or setting records, I think they want to do that with here. With Wesley joining on that bandwagon. So I think Wesley is going to retain the North American Championship. Uh, Noam Dar going against Dragon Lee for the NXT Heritage Cup. I think Noam Dar is going to win this. I think he's going to do something nefarious against Dragon Lee. And that won't damage Dragon Lee in the slightest. So Noam Dar to retain the Heritage Cup. The vacant NXT Women's Championship. Lyra Valkyria going against Tiffany Stratton. I think Tiffany is going to win this. And to be fully honest with you. And I mean this, from the bottom of my heart, we gave the win of the ladder match to Indy Hartwell so she could have a feel-good moment at NXT Stand and Deliver. That was cool. However, at a point leading up to the Stand and Deliver matchup, it felt like Tiffany Stratton was going to be the woman to face Roxanne Perez for the NXT Women's Championship, and that was basically going to be her crowning day. That was going to be the day that we crowned Tiffany as the woman to reign over the women's division. And we probably were probably gonna see like Roxanne go up on the main roster. But they decided to go a different way with the storyline for Roxanne to uh collapse in the middle of the ring after her match with uh Miko Satamora. So they pivoted on that. And I think we're gonna get Tiffany to win here. I think they wanted to have Tiffany to get more reps under her uh belt to see if she's the one to be NXT Women's Champion. So I think with her doing this little mini tournament and even after her crashing from that landing that she had at the ladder match as Stand and Deliver, I think this is their way of making it up for Tiffany Stratton, to be completely honest with you. So, Tiffany versus Lyra. I see Tiffany winning the NXT Women's Championship. Now, the NXT Championship, Carmelo going against Braun. This is a layup. Carmelo is winning this. If Carmelo loses in his hometown to Braun, and I understand we're getting Braun a new vicious guy, it just... I wouldn't like it. I'm just going to be blunt honest with you. I was trying to find another creative, artistic way to say it, but nope. I won't like it. I'm not going to like it at all. I would rather have Braun just go off the complete, uh, go off the leash or become unleashed and just go on a manic beatdown mode of Carmelo. Just saying that he doesn't care about the NAC Championship. He just want to beat up Carmelo in front of his family and friends. I would rather you do that than have Braun beat Melo, to be ple- completely honest with you. So, I can see Carmelo winning this by disqualification and retaining his championship. That's the way I would want it to go if you want to have Braun be this undestructible type monster that he's on the path of right now. So, here's my plan. Have him just lose the match by disqualification. Braun gets too out of control. He becomes unleashed. He wants to beat up Carmelo to the point that he can no longer stand or do nothing for his family and friends at that event. That's the way we do it. He ignores the referee's five count, or he grabs some type of weapon and just starts wailing on Carmelo with it. That's the way this match should end, with Carmelo losing that way and not losing the NXT Championship, since we got this new, different side of Braun, and then they can finish this match or this rivalry that these two are having inside of a steel cage or the first ever Hell in a Cell at an NXT event. They can do that, too. That's me throwing it out there. Again, my final thing, Carmelo retaining the NXT Championship by Braun uh, causing the disqualification. Now, finally, the AEW Double or Nothing event. House of Black defending the AEW Trio Championships against, more than likely, the acclaim and Billy Gunn. House of Black winning. It would be great to see the acclaim and Billy to win the tag title, but the... House of Black, they just got the tag titles at the last pay-per-view. They just established the House of Rules matchup here. And with this matchup type of, with this new match style happening under the House of Rules and them setting it up their way, I think AEW can do a lot of things with this match and with the House of Black by doing this, and it will be great for them. The acclaim. they're still hot. People still care for them. They still care for the daddy-ass, scissor-me-bit so I think the claim losing here, it won't hurt them in the slightest. So House of Black win. Next up, Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho on match. Sabu serves as special guest enforcer. He will not be on Adam Cole's side. He will just be an enforcer in this. I see Adam winning this. This is his first match since Forbidden Door on pay-per-view. I think we need to have a bang with this. And I think Adam Cole needs to win against Chris Jericho. Again, Chris Jericho's a legend. Him losing to Adam Cole... Doesn't do none damn. I think it will hurt Adam Cole if he loses to Chris Jericho in this. I could be completely honest with you. Whether by nefarious means or not, people are still going to cry and complain about creative. And I think they will have a right to do this in this instance. So Adam Cole, he needs to win against Chris Jericho and have Adam Cole be on the road to him going after the AEW World Championship. After this, Jay Cargo versus Ty Valkyrie, TBS Championship. Jay Cargo wins. She beats Taya to retain her championship, and she becomes either 60-0 or 61-0. One of the two. And, again, I think we're still waiting for Chris Statlander to come back to take the title off of uh, Jay Cargo to win the TBS Championship. And, again, for me, I think Chris Statlander needs to come back, and she needs to be a villain. I understand people love her, but Chris Statlander, if she doesn't get the cheers the way that I see that she should be getting when she comes back, turn her villain. Let her join the outcast, because the outcast they need something. Let her be the one defective AEW original coming over to the Outcast perspective, and ta-da. Let that be the one to take the title off of Jay Cargo, and Jay Cargo will be the person that people want her to be the person that people actually love to cheer because people love Jay Cargill. And I think they might love her more than Chris Statland, to be completely honest with you. But again, that's in my perspective. I think Jay Cargill's winning this and then we're going to have a showdown with Chris Statlander sometime soon. Uh Anarchy in the arena. Blackpool Combat Club going against the elite. I feel that Blackpool Combat Club is going to win this because the elite just got all bad together with Hangman rejoining with the Bucks and Omega here. I think Blackpool Combat Club is a solid foundational group. Brian has not wrestled since the last pay-per-view, and I think him coming back here to be in Anarchy in the Arena, the first match that he's had back, I think he wants to blow the doors off the place. I think that he wants to set start a flame underneath certain people in the elite and just remind people how good he is. And I think with him losing last year at Anarchy in the Arena, I think he might want to... Uh, redo that and get his win back so blackpool comic club wins over the elite and i think we still get more stuff between the elite and blackpool because again they're going into blood and guts because usually at the anarchy in the arena they always go into uh blood and guts it's been going on for the past two years and i see this happening here it's going to be blackpool comic club going against the elite there and i see that's where the elite might get there. uh Win against Blackpool Combat Club there, but just not here at Anarchy in the Arena. No. Jamie Hader going against Tony Storm. If Jamie Hader is 100%, I see Jamie Hader winning. But if she is not, I can see them giving the belt to Tony, but my money's on Jamie. Warlow going against Christian for the TNT Championship in the ladder match. I see Warlow winning this. I see Lutrasaurus getting involved and all that good stuff and trying to help Christian out. But Warlow, again, I want him to be a monster and I want him to dominate and him dominating Christian in this. I think it'll be great. And I think the TNT championship needs to be stable. I think that's the one championship on the roster out of all the titles that has been hot potatoed so much that it's damaging whoever holds it. At the beginning standpoint, you had solid title reigns from Cody to the Sammy Guevara to the Darby Allin. Um to even Brody Lee, when he held it for that period of time, it elevated these gentlemen. And even Miro, Miro held it for a period of time and it elevated Miro, for God's sake. Look at the TNT title now. It has been hot potatoed from a Warlow to a Samoa Joe to a Scorpio Sky to a. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, I mean, all these guys I just listed, they could've used a TNT title to elevate it much more with the leniency that it has, but for some reason, it just went down, and I don't understand what happened. So, hopefully, they fixed that up. Um, and Warlow, retain the championship. Blackjack, Battle Royale for the AEW International Championship, you got so many guys in it, but my picks, picks, are Orange Cassidy or Swerve. Those are my two picks. I'll be cool with Swerve winning it because I'm cool with Swerve wanting to win a championship. And Arch Cassidy losing it this way, it doesn't hurt him because he has been going through challengers left and right. And for him to lose it in a Battle Royale, it kind of seems like that's the perfect way to take it off of Arch Cassidy, to be completely honest with you. And for Swerve to win it in such a sly, scummy type way, I mean, a Battle Royale can get the job done. So Swerve winning it that way, that would be great. And then it could elevate their rivalry. Well, Swerve's rivalry that he has with Keith Lee. And that can have them beat on Dynamite instead of Rampage, for the love of God. Because so these two guys are two incredible athletes. Two incredible talents that need to be showcased on freaking Dynamite instead of always on Rampage. Do it. Have Shane Strickland, or Swerve Strickland, however you want to call him, win this Blackjack Battle Royale for the AEW International Championship. But if you do not have Orange Cassidy, so my 1A is Swerve. But if not him, fine. Continue with Orange Cassidy here. Tag team titles. FTR going against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, and Mark Briscoe would be special guest referee. FTR is winning this. That's all I got to say about this. I think this is going to be a great tag match up here. But I think Mark Briscoe is going to play it right down the middle. I think Jeff and Jay is going to try to play a little too much in Mark's face, and Mark's probably going to do something to them. And again, this will lead up to FTR winning and retaining their tag team titles. And hopefully, after this, we get a shocking re-debut of Santana and Ortiz going after FTR. I would like to see Santana and Ortiz run it back with FTR, now with the tag team titles, as their prize. That's the thing, and I want to see it. That's what I'm hoping for, because Santana and Ortiz, they should have been a tag team. They should have held on to those tag team titles immediately, as soon as... AEW became a thing, but they have never held the tag team titles in all their lineage and time on AEW. So hopefully Santana Ortiz, they come after this matchup here and start brutalizing FTR. And remember, Santana Ortiz, they have a pass with FTR. So hopefully we get that after Double or Nothing here. Well, their matchup here at Double or Nothing. That's what I'm hoping for. Now, moving on to the next one. Ethan Page and the Guns going against Hardys and Hook. Hardys and Hook are winning against Ethan Page and the Guns. I wouldn't be mad Ethan and the Guns win, but I just see them probably giving this off to Hook and the Hardys. I would love if they pull a swerve of this, of the Hook uh, turning on the Hardys, and he just started going on his own thing. And I think Hook needs to be on television more. He had a time period where people wanted to see Hook. We got to see Hook. We wanted to see him every week, but we didn't. But every time that we did get to see him, he was such a bright, refresher situation. Like, yeah, Hook's here. Congratulations. Cool. We get to see him. But for some reason, we have not seen Hook on TV in some time now. I think the last time we saw him was that, what, the firm deletion or whatever. But he needs to be on TV. I understand he needs to get his reps in on TV, let the fans embrace him the way that he needs to be embraced. That's what I'm hoping for. So if Hook turns on the Hardys here, I'm not saying that he needs to align with Ethan Page and the Guns. Just turn on them and he just be a one-man solo act. I think that's what needs to happen here. So Hook... Turning on the Hardys, joining, not joining, but being a uh, lone wolf, and Ethan Page and the Guns winning, I wouldn't mind seeing that happening, but I don't see that. I see the Hardys and Hook winning against Ethan Page and the Guns, but if they decide to go with the second plan, Hook turning on the Hardys, I'll be satisfied with that. Now, the main event, the Four Pillars Fatal 4-Way match for the AEW World Championship, champion MJF going against Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, MGF is going to win this. Again, Reign of Terror, baby. It just came about full gear. He just had a great one-hour uh, matchup, oh, one-hour Ironman matchup, excuse me, with Brian Danielson at Revolution, their last pay-per-view. And I think people still want to see MGF go against other guys for the World Championship. So MGF winning the matchup here. I think there's going to be a great Fatal 4-Way matchup here. I think all these four guys are going to put on a hell of a show to end off Double or Nothing, and we might even see Mr. CM Punk at the end of it, because remember, Collision is happening in Chicago, so more likely Punk is back in AEW, but if we do not see Punk at the end of the show confronting MJF, I hope something does happen to kind of spark some interest into what could have lead into Dynamite, some type of guy popping back or some type of new signee, or some guy that we are forgetting since AEW's roster is so freaking bloated. A main event talent just comes out there and blasters MJF in his face. That's what I'm hoping for. Someone like uh, Pac to do it, that'd be great. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Or we can start off with uh, Adam Cole just popping up and just looking at MJF as... Adam Cole's looking on the stage, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I mean, something needs to happen to spark up interest after Double or Nothing. I think it's going to be a great event, but I want something to leave the fans with a, ooh, ah, I can't wait to see Dynamite this upcoming episode after they see uh, Double or Nothing. That's what I'm hoping for, but we'll have to wait and see. But again, MJF wins, retains the World Championship. Now, after you just heard me list off, all three of these incredible lineups for each show. Night of Champions, I'm going to be watching. Um, Double or Nothing or NAC Battlegrounds, that's one of the two because both of them are starting on the exact same time on a Sunday. More than likely, I'll probably be watching NXT Battlegrounds because that comes with Peacock. And that's an easier click for me to watch than paying $50 at that moment for Double or Nothing or even more. So, just for me to say... Monday, you're going to get a recap episode of what happened at Night of Champions and Battlegrounds, and if you get a double or nothings on that episode, you get it. If you do not, you don't. I'm not going to try to even hold it on to you guys. You might get it. You might not just throw it out to you, so just expect that. But if you do not get a double or nothing on that episode, no one's going to come up on the Wrestling Highlights of the Week episode next Saturday. So, uh, just be prepared on Monday for whatever you might get, whether you do or don't, all right? Now, with all that being said, I hope you guys have a great Saturday. I hope you guys enjoy the show. I know it was a longer version of the show today than it was previously, but hey, a lot of things happen and a lot of information needed to be covered. Now, with all that, by the way, have a great Saturday. I love you guys. I have a Sunday episode coming out tomorrow, but with that all, Please be safe this Memorial Day weekend, and you'll hear from me again next Saturday.